You're listening to Vermont Credit Unions On Air, a service of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. This episode is the final in our series on cooperatives during October, widely recognized as Cooperative Month. There are about 2.6 million cooperatives around the world. That's one out of every six people worldwide that choose a cooperative for their needs, including credit unions. We've been focusing on a different co-op sector each week throughout October. This week, we're highlighting a discussion on food co-ops that took place between Urban Crowell and the association's Joe Bergeron. And now, here are Urban and Joe. I'm Joe Bergeron, president of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions, and we have a special episode to wind up our October month-long series on various types of cooperatives. We'll be talking about the uniqueness of food cooperatives, particularly ones in northern New England. To do that, we've enlisted the assistance of Urban Crowell. Urban is elected board chair of the National Cooperative Business Association in Washington, D.C., and an adjunct lecturer for the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, where he teaches courses about cooperatives. But for our podcast on food co-ops today, Urban comes to us from his day job as executive director of the Neighboring Food Co-op Association based in Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. NFCA serves about three dozen food co-ops across New England and New York State. Welcome and thanks for joining us, Urban. Thanks so much, Joe, and happy co-op month. Hey, thank you very much. Happy Co-op Month to you too. And as we wind down Co-op Month, uh, you know, it occurs to me that particularly from your position as chair of uh, the National Cooperative Business Association, that you and and I have both been exposed to a lot of different types of cooperatives, a lot of different co-op sectors, um, and uh, and it's a real exciting time to be a cooperative. Uh, and we're we're really pleased to be able to learn something about food co-ops today uh, from your years of experience. Absolutely. Great to be here. You know, we're talking about food co-ops today and you run a trade association for food co-ops. So maybe a good way to start out is to find out what exactly is the neighboring food co-op association. Great. Um, Yeah. In a lot of ways, uh, we're very similar to the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. Um, We were established about 10 years ago. Uh, by a group of food co-op leaders uh, here in our region who, you know, wanted to create more opportunities for networking, uh, mutual support, uh, shared innovation among our food co-ops, and uh, decided the best way to do that would be to form our regional association. Uh, And actually, one of the things that's kind of unique about our association is we're actually incorporated as a cooperative. So our food co-ops are our members, uh, and then they elect our board who, uh, you know, directs me and our small staff uh, to do the work we do in supporting the shared success of our co-ops. Wow, that's uh, that's kind of unique in uh, not for cooperatives, but in trade association land for the trade association itself to be chartered as a cooperative. I haven't I don't think I've run across that before. Yeah, I I don't think there's a lot of it, Uh, but we had an early discussion and, uh, you know, I really felt uh, I was actually hired on to to uh, uh, do the incorporation of the association. And we had a very important discussion early on about how great it would be if our own association was a cooperative like our members and how that would add value in terms of, Hmm. you know, sort of our assumptions about governance and how it operates and, and what the cooperative difference is is. So, sure. you know, I, I think it was the right path to take and it's definitely, uh, you know, strengthened our relationship with our members and, and their sense of ownership of the association. 
So your members are food co-ops themselves. They're scattered. Can you, I don't know, talk a little bit about your membership. I know they're scattered throughout yeah. much of Vermont, New Hampshire, and elsewhere, Massachusetts and elsewhere. Uh, so just, I don't know, paint a picture. If you will. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, our uh, association really began uh, in the Connecticut River Valley, largely in Vermont. Also, uh, we have a, a few founding members in Massachusetts and uh, down in, into Connecticut. Um, but we have a wide diversity of, of members. So you've got cooperatives that were founded in the 30s. You've got cooperatives that were founded as recently as, uh, well, actually one just opened last year, one of our startup members, I'm sorry, this year in Rhode Island, Urban Greens Co-op Market. Um, and then you've got very small co-ops that might have you know 300 to 500 members in a rural town where that's the only grocery store that's available. Um, all the way to, you know, very large uh, multi-location co-ops with, uh, you know, 30,000, 40,000 members. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Uh, so when you mentioned the new one that was formed just this year in Rhode Island, you reminded me that these days in credit union land that I'm more familiar with, that it's mm -hmm. really difficult to start a credit union these days. They, you know, if you're going to be successful, it's going to have to be really um, a special circumstance and uh, narrowly focused and lots of outside support and so on and so forth. So is it like that trying to start a food co-op these days? Is it more difficult today than it was decades ago? Ab absolutely. Absolutely. And that's part of the, part of the challenge and the reason for the NFCA is, you know, we recognize that we have a lot of, of food co-ops that have been around for decades are very strong. Um, and we're trying to figure out how we can leverage their resources, their experience, uh, their innovations to support, you know, the next wave of food co-ops. And certainly with, you know, just the very high level of interest in local foods and building local food economies, uh, creating local jobs. There's a lot of interest among uh, 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 communities in our region to start new food co-ops, but the competitive environment is just totally different than it was when most of our co-ops started in the 70s. You know, most sure. of our most of our food co-ops got their start in offering natural foods, organic foods, bulk buying. Um, when none of those things were available at the supermarket. Um, many of them started as buying clubs, often in a church basement, um, and had many years to actually grow and develop and learn uh, in order to become large, successful uh, uh, cooperative enterprises. But now when a startup wants to get started, they need to be ready to be able to compete with large established grocery stores all around them right out of the gate. And, and that can be very complicated. Um, you know, everything from the, the point of sale systems that you need to have in place to the product experience, to being able to hire uh, folks who understand what retail looks like in a competitive environment. So it, it's very different now. And a key part of what we try to do, uh, again, is leverage the experience of our existing food co-ops to support that uh, new wave. And I, I'd probably estimate about uh, a quarter of our membership now is startups that are trying to form uh, wow. new community-based co-ops. Yeah. So you pointed out, Urban, that um, mm -hmm. it used to be in much earlier days um, that food co-ops were delivering or providing uh, a product to their members and, and consumers in their locale that was unique, things that weren't necessarily available 
in uh, the local grocery store that were organic or bulk and so on and so forth. And that's, that's changed today, obviously, with, you know, a lot of grocery stores, you know, stepping into that arena and whatnot. So that does that make it for any food co-op, does that make it more more challenging or is it helpful because it draws more attention to those options? Well, can I say both? <laughs> yeah, course. you know, it, it makes it much more challenging um, and, and it can be uh, very difficult. Um, because you know a lot of these so supermarkets, they're uh, they they could be regional chains, they could be national chains, they could even be multinational chains that have uh, just a lot more resources uh, in and buying power. Um, and so when a, a smaller food co-op is trying to compete, it's it's going to be very difficult to match them on price. And I think that brings us to, you know, the positive side of that competition, which and, and maybe maybe credit unions can identify with this a little bit as well. It's, it's really challenged food co-ops to step up in their messaging and both take more seriously their co-op difference and get better at communicating it, um, you know, making sure that they are not just focused on, you know, price and product selection, but also clearly communicating with the community that they're actually, you know, owned and governed by the community, that they're creating better jobs, they're creating better paid jobs, they're supporting local producers, you know, all of the things that a supermarket can't really compete on. Um, and I think that that, uh, not only is, is a way to leverage the success of the individual co-op, but it's also an opportunity for us to uh, uh, push the wider food system to change. You know, there's, there's a healthy competition that we bring to the table um, that also uh, encourages uh, mainstream grocers to be more uh, responsive to the community as well. So it can be challenging, and I certainly don't want to make it uh, sound like it's easy, but I think that the situation... Um, in the competitive environment is actually a positive in terms of communicating the co-op difference. You make it sound a bit like uh, some discussions we have in credit union land sometimes in that, um, you know, broadcasting the uh, uniqueness of financial institutions or in your case, uh, food stores as cooperatives and the member ownership and the uh, service uh, and so on and so forth is what distinguishes credit unions or food co-ops, but you got to get the pricing and the product right too. Right. Uh, right. you can't, you can't slack on that because people like doing business with a co-op. They want both. Hey, exactly. I, you know, I think we, we have to be very uh, clear. We got to be both excellent cooperatives as well as excellent businesses. And I, you know, I think this is probably one of the areas that you and I first began talking, you know, the, the opportunity that we have as food co-ops and credit unions to sort of share our message in the community, I think sure. is, is a really key advantage um, in the same way that, you know, a credit union is a community owned financial institution, a way for people to work together to meet their needs. You know, a food co-op is a way to do that in terms of your groceries, in terms of creating good jobs in the community and ensuring that the, the infrastructure there is there to support uh, local producers. So, when we work together to communicate our difference, I think we have a much better opportunity not to just 
you know, reach the general public, but also to share members, you know, to, to uh, ensure that we are making a strong case while we're also being, you know, good businesses. You can't slack on being a good business. One of the features, I think, and I don't know if it's, if it's all food co-ops or just ones around me uh, that mm -hmm. I'm familiar with, uh, that differs from credit unions is that credit unions are limited to serving people who are members. Yeah. Um, but food co-ops that I've dealt with anyway uh, have members, and then they also have people walking in off the street too. Yep. So is that common across all food cooperatives? And, and how do they differentiate between people? I mean, as simple as at the checkout and whatnot. Yeah, that's uh, the vast majority are open to the public. There, there are a few uh, great food co-ops, um, particularly in in New York City, where there's a high density of consumers, where they have uh, mm -hmm. you know member only uh, co-ops that are largely run by the members themselves. Um, but pretty much all of our members are uh, also open to the public, um, and you know, it's, it's obviously, it's a great recruitment strategy, right? If people can come in, hopefully they see the products they like, they feel like they're getting good service and they're encouraged to become a member. Um, I think one of the, one of the contrasts we might have with credit unions is we also really depend on our members for member capital. Um, I know obviously credit unions, when you join a credit union, you're, you're starting a checking account or a savings account, and that creates capital for the credit union. In our food co-ops, you know, the shoppers provide uh, uh, buying power, right? They provide the revenue, but in terms of equity, we actually rely on members and member, uh, the purchase of a member share for that sort of base uh, equity. And probably on average, you know, a member share in a food co-op is, uh, average might be $125 to become a member, and that's, you know, one purchase of a voting share. Um, but those resources really make a difference in terms of the, the co-op's uh, uh, financial health. And also when you think, you know, a number of our, our co-ops are uh, actually multi-million dollar uh, community entities, you know, being able to become a essentially a shareholder in that entity by becoming a member and then being able to elect and serve on a board. Um, it's a level of, of economic democracy that you just don't see in the wider economy. Sure. And that's part of what we right. try to, to communicate. So, so they're open to the public, but you know, we, we are very aware that in order to leverage our difference, we really want to encourage people to become members, to understand uh, what it is to be a community-owned entity. And obviously, there's also uh, uh, benefits attached to that. Some cooperatives have, some food co-ops have a, a discount for members. Um, some might uh, return a portion of surplus or profit at the end of the year in the form of a patronage dividend. Um, there's, there can be a wide variety of member benefits attached to uh, becoming a member as well. So you had me thinking about the concept of a patronage dividend or refund while you were talking uh, about the difference between members and people walking in off the street. Because I recall that, you know, when I first got started with credit unions, uh, you know, many, many moons ago, um, it was common for credit unions to provide, well, it wasn't called a patronage refund, but it was an interest rebate uh, mm -hmm. to people who borrowed from the credit union. And that eventually... 
uh, fell by the wayside over time um, in favor of credit unions just reflecting the return to, to people who supported their operation uh, by way of better rates and fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they, they could today be issuing a check to members, but instead they choose to charge a little bit less on the car loan and so on and so forth. Um, so I, I know not all food co-ops issue a dividend or a refund at the end of their year, but um, when that does happen, they do they have the same kind of... Uh, consideration that, you know, am I going to give my members that support the food co-op a patronage refund or am I going to reflect it in a different price for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for consumers or members? Yeah, no, it, it's an interesting challenge. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the beauties of food co-ops from my perspective is they really do reflect uh, the, the priorities of the community. So you will see, you know, some communities where the membership and elected board um, has really pointed to, you know, the importance of, of a patronage rebate at the end of the year. Some actually uh, may have actually both a rebate and a discount at the register if that's something that the member really cares about. Um, Because certainly there's an incentive when you go into shop that you've got an immediate discount uh, on your groceries right there and you can see it. Um, And then some remain very much focused on that discount. And you maybe even to take it to another level as as food co-ops in our region have worked to be more responsive to their communities and to be more inclusive of their communities, Um, Many are actually allocating an additional discount to folks on financial assistance. Um, Hmm. So if if there are people on limited incomes in the community or who may already uh, qualify for SNAP or other types of of support, um, the co-op might actually increase its discount to those shoppers. And so that's a situation where you've got a, a... food co-ops, membership, uh, uh, board, and management trying to figure out how to allocate some of that uh, uh, surplus or refund to people who are more in need of the community. And so that's just to, just to make the point that, you know, the, the, the strategies used reflect the priorities in the community. Um, and in some, uh, they're focused in one direction, and some they're focused in another. So you've got, if if I read correctly, about three dozen or so uh, food co-op organizations that are members of your association, and they're spread out over New England and a little bit New York State and whatnot. So uh, is it fair to assume you don't see much uh, competition between food co-ops? Yeah, you know, it's interesting in New England, like if you look at the United States as a whole, we've probably got one of the highest concentrations of food co-ops uh, in the country. Um, there's wow. a little bit in the Midwest, a little bit in the, in the, on the West Coast, um, but nothing really compares uh, to this region where you can actually be a member of multiple food co-ops um, and, you know, basically shop at one and then go to another for something that the first one might not have. Um, and I, I don't think, um, 
I don't think any of our food co-ops think of that as competition in the conventional sense. Mm -hmm. um, I actually think that that type of competition is sort of a friendly competition in a way that encourages our food co-ops to do better. You know, when they see what one food co-op is doing, they can actually go to that food co-op. Managers often sit down together, talk to each other, share strategies, you know, ask each other, hey, how did you do that? That's a really interesting outreach program. Um, and the level of, of sort of sharing of strategies and innovations um, across the system, I think, is one of our, our key advantages. Um, we have a, a very different sort of culture among food co-ops in our region where there's just a lot of, of sharing um, with the goal of, of supporting shared success. And I, I don't know if you see a similar uh, uh, atmosphere like that among your credit unions, but I would guess you see quite a little of that. We do uh, see sharing among credit unions. Um, it's not uncommon, however, to, you know, since credit unions often have multiple locations within a credit union branches, yep. um, it's not uncommon to see credit unions across the street from each other or down the block from each other. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the awareness of, uh, you know, one credit union operating in the footprint of one or more other credit unions is probably a little bit more uh, they're probably a little more sensitized to that awareness and whatnot. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think in credit unions, much like in food co-ops, you know, the the big uh, the big competition really comes from well, two areas. One is the uh, big well, in your world, to be the the chain supermarket, I guess, uh, that is down the street. Uh, but then the other area that's kind of new for credit unions, and I would imagine it affects you too, is the non traditional providers. So yep, yep. for credit unions, it'd be, you know, Amazon offering, uh, you know, banking like services and things like that. And for you, uh, for, for food co-ops, you know, we're seeing more and more uh, online ordering and mm -hmm. uh, delivery services and so on and so forth. So has that become much of an issue for food co-ops as well? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, it's great that you raise Amazon, right? Um, Amazon, not too long ago, purchased Whole Foods, which was right. uh, probably one of the one of the primary identified competitors for food co-ops, although, uh, you know, it's, it's actually become more mainstream grocery stores now that have actually uh, brought on more natural foods and compete with whole foods. Um, but then when Amazon purchased whole foods, you know, there was, there was a real worry. Okay. What does this look like? And is our people <laughs> going to start moving, uh, online with all their grocery purchases? And one, very interesting sort of unanticipated thing that happened was um, you actually saw a, a, um, a bubble in food co-op membership around the time of that announcement. Um, wow. And it, it was really interesting that a lot of shoppers seemed it actually it spurred interest in community owned hmm. uh, alternatives like food co-ops. Now, where that goes in the long run, we'll we'll have to see. Was that a temporary thing? Um, is, is, uh, you know, the, the issue around online ordering really going to become more and more of an issue. Um, but you know, to date, it feels like for groceries anyway, the, the competition with online, at least in our region has been more overblown than we might expect. It still really? represents a very small portion of, of food purchases, um, again, we don't know where that's going to head in the long run, um, 
but so you know so far at least it's pointed to the food co-op difference and and obviously that's a little bit of a you know it, it's it's a little unique for us um in in this region where and perhaps unlike places like new york city where where that sort of online purchasing may be much more common are there any um this is not a fair question to ask you because i didn't forewarn you ahead but you just make <laughs> me wonder are there uh, any kind of statistics about, you know, since food co-ops are open for the most part to the general public, uh, you know, the percent of people that shop at the neighborhood food co-op who are members versus mm. public. And is that something that if you're running a food co-op as the board or the general manager or something that you keep an eye on and you try to encourage people to become members or does it not matter? Yeah, you know, I think when uh, uh, it's become much more important as as competition has increased, and certainly, mm -hmm. um, you know, part of the role of our association has been to try to reinforce that cooperative identity and give our member co-ops tools for communicating that difference. Because, I mean, what we do know is that when a shopper is a member they're much more likely, you know, not only to show uh, more loyalty in their purchasing practices and habits, but they're also likely to be uh, more, more uh, open about, you know, the information they share with the cooperative, the products they're interested in, the feedback on customer service, all those things that you want um, from an engaged consumer. So I think as competition is increased, uh, you know, we've really tried to put out that message among our members that it's that much more important to really think about uh, not only engagement of your current members, but but how to encourage your your non-member shoppers to become members, because over time, um, that's going to be a competitive advantage. Do you think, Urban, that... Um... You know, as I reflect uh, sometime well, every day on, you know, our role uh, here at our association as the prime advocate for credit unions, um, do you think that there's, a, um, you know, the commonality between not only credit unions and food co-ops being cooperatives, but, you know, electric utilities, housing co-ops, so on and so forth, I'll go on down the line. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that there's a, um, a common... Uh, benefit between local cooperatives, be it in Vermont or New Hampshire or New England or across the country, uh, to uh, mutually identify as cooperatives and, and to uh, point out that the food co-op down the street is similar to the credit union that you're operating and vice versa and, you know, make some kind of connections like that? Oh, absolutely. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, co-op month is an important opportunity for us to do that. Um, every uh, co-op month, we work with our food co-ops. For example, uh, we have this program called Go Co-op, um, where we provide our food co-ops with lists of all the products that they may offer. They're actually from other cooperatives. Mm -hmm. And then point of sale materials, so like little shelf tags that they can mark on the shelf. Okay, you know, this, this uh, butter came from Cabot Creamery Co up this milk came from organic valley this cranberry juice came from ocean spray wow. you know all the products that your shoppers may not be aware 
came from other co-ops, right. you know, and I think the advantage for our food co-ops is, is what we're doing is demonstrating that the value of our business model is not just about groceries and where you shop. It can also be relevant across uh, across your, your daily life, right? You could have your banking account at a credit union. You could live in a housing cooperative. You could be served by utility cooperative. Um, there's just, there's no real end to how you could use the cooperative model, uh, to meet your ends. And, you know, for example, if you appreciate the value of being a member at a credit union, you're more likely to be the type of customer that I think food co-ops are looking for, right? You're, you're also going to be the sure. type of customer that Cabot is looking for right. or Deep Root Organic Co-op, right? You, you If there's a, a consumer out there that's already been sort of pre-oriented toward the value of cooperation, they're going to be that much more valuable uh, to you as a customer um, if you're operating in another sector. So I, I think it's an opportunity that we've just barely uh, scratched the surface of and and obviously look forward to, to working much more with you and your association and trying to, to make that case. Well, I think you're right about there being a lot of potential for mutual benefit between cooperatives on a lot of different levels, be it you know, operational, uh, and there's financial benefit to both, or whether it's just cross-marketing uh, or whatever else. But, uh, you know, I know on credit union side, we feel like it's a good time to be a cooperative credit union. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I sense the same is true for food co-ops and, and other sectors as well. Well, you know, an, an example, um, early on when I took on this job, so every, every year we do a survey of our member co-ops. I, I don't know if you do this as well, but basically just a, a statistical survey on uh, their membership, you know, their employees, you know, member benefits, all, all these other things that we think are essential to communicating the co-op difference. And one year early on, I, actually, I think it was 2012 um, during the year of cooperatives, one of the survey questions we had was about where the cooperative had its banking account and whether it had considered a credit union. Uh-huh. And, and you know, it may be wishful thinking on my part, but I feel like when we first asked that question, there was a pretty limited understanding of the commonalities, at least among sure. our food co-ops. And just in the few years since then, I think, I feel like we've, we've seen a real shift, not just in where our uh, food co-ops go for financial business services, but also who they partner with in the community, you know, how they communicate their difference. And particularly during, you know, co-op month, uh, partnering with a community credit union on some kind of outreach event. Um, so I, I do feel like that that message is starting to have some some traction, and I'm I'm looking forward to building on that. I don't know if we've missed anything of of significance that you think that we ought to touch on. I know we've talked about you know the structure of food co-ops and uh, competition, and um, you know serving the general public, and similarities with and differences with credit unions. Anything that you had in mind that we ought to get in and before we uh, wrap things up. Well, um, I always have to uh, give a plug for uh, the Neighboring Food Co-op Association, our website, which is nfca.coop, where you can also find a searchable map of all of our uh, food co-ops across the region. Um, But I do, you know, I also think that there is a, a real opportunity as your association tries to figure out 
you know, what, what's the future for credit unions in this region? How can we continue to support their success? What are the strategies that you all are using? And then what do those strategies or approaches or, you know, challenges and opportunities look like on our side of the sector fence, right? Like what are we seeing as, as community food co-ops? Um, you know, cause the, the structure and strategies that we're using are not that different. The people that we are serving are often, you know, very similar in their backgrounds, interests and needs. Um, you know, I think moving forward, there's just a, a big opportunity uh, to help us move toward a more cooperative economy, a more inclusive cooperative economy. And the most powerful way to do that is, is working together across sectors. Very true. Well, Urban, it's been great talking to you for the past half hour or so. And uh, I was going to ask you how uh, listeners uh, could uh, find out a little <laughs> bit more about what co-op, what food co-op is nearby to them. And you already got to that. So thank you for doing that. And that was uh, nfca.coop, right? That's correct. Thank you. Yeah, great. So uh, anybody that wants to find out more about food co-ops, where they are near them or uh, structure and so on and so forth, uh, head over to nfca.coop. With that, Urban, it's been great. I hope our listeners uh, have a little bit more understanding, if they didn't already, about food co-ops and the similarities and some differences uh, with credit unions and other kinds of cooperatives. And with that, we've reached the end of another Vermont Credit on Air podcast and hope you found it interesting. You can hear all of our previously recorded podcasts by searching for Vermont Credit Unions on Air in the iTunes store or at soundcloud.com. If you've got ideas for a podcast on something you'd like to hear about, send it to podcast at Vermont Credit Unions with an S dot co-op. Until our next podcast, this is Joe Pershon and Urban Crowell. Uh, and thanks for joining us, Urban. Oh, thank you. And look forward to seeing you in D.C. for NCBA's next board meetings. We certainly will. <laughs> uh, thanks very much, Urban. And thanks to everyone for listening. <laughs>